Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family Radio. Thank you for joining us as we continue our series, Homeschooling Today. And this is the third episode in our mini-series on homeschooling. And You might be homeschooling right now, and this series hopefully will help you with some ideas and strategies to continue as a successful homeschool. But for a lot of others, you might be faced with homeschooling due to the lockdowns or perhaps the repeated lockdowns uh, due to the coronavirus or other uh, health concerns, and you might be at home listening to the radio and saying, well, wait, 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 wait. I'm a grandparent. I I don't need anything about homeschooling. Just hold on. This episode's for you. But last episode, we looked at what I called the number one overlooked resource for homeschooling, and that was the role of fathers. And I'm not going to repeat what I did last time, but if you're homeschooling, particularly if you're a mom, or a leader of a local homeschool group, I would highly recommend you get a hold of episode 304, that's last episode, on the number one overlooked resources for homeschooling. Now, when you think about homeschooling, I want to share with you a way of memorizing a trap that you do not want to fall into, particularly if you're a homeschooling mother. You know, when, when you think of your home and working at home and teaching is work, it's hard work, you think of that little phrase you hear in the ads for the big box uh, stores, DIY, do it yourself. And it is rewarding if you have the capability to take on a project. You usually find, at least I do, that uh, those projects are a lot more complicated than what they show on TV, and sometimes you have to hire somebody to correct your work. But if you can't accomplish it, it's very uh, rewarding experience, and you save some money. But DIY, do-it-yourself, is a deep trap for a homeschooling mom. You don't want to do it yourself. So a key for homeschooling today, try this one, D-D-I-Y. Don't do it yourself. Don't engage in solo homeschooling. You want to pull in your resources. And again, that first resource I mentioned last week, fathers are often neglected in homeschool circles, and you don't want to do that. But right along with fathers, I'd like to mention a second resource, and that is grandparents. Uh, Just this week, I came across a great article in the Epic Times, which is a new newspaper. It seems to be published by Chinese Americans who really hate communist China. They don't hate Chinese people, they hate the communism in China. But in any case, it's a very interesting, we get the weekly print edition, and some of the best education articles that I have read in the last two years have been in the Epoch Times. They seem to have regular 
articles on education and education that would support things like our American way of life, patriotism, um, respect for police, uh, respect for religion, respect for family life. And there are regular articles on homeschooling, particularly during this whole coronavirus thing. And the article I'm referring to uh, right now is one entitled Fighting the Industrial School System, One Grandparent at a Time. And this article was written by Annie Holmquist, who has been a guest on Faith and Family Radio, a graduate of Thomas Aquinas College and one of the up-and-coming great journalists in our country. And this is what she says. Last spring, found my neighbors unexpectedly homeschooling their grandchildren. She saw little ones racing by her house on scooters at recess time with grandparents following. And she inquired and discovered that their homeschool that the grandparents had unexpectedly taken on the responsibility for homeschooling their grandchildren, they extended that homeschool to even another family in the neighborhood, and now they have a little homeschooling business, these grandparents, right in Annie's neighborhood. And they said it was a great challenge when they started just with their grandchildren, but they have come to greatly enjoy it. And they call grandparents collaborating with their grown children's family, the new normal of pandemic schooling. Very interesting. And so grandparents can be a resource and it may not be teaching all the subjects, but it can sure involve at least teaching some of the subjects, particularly where they have an expertise. And if you wanna get a hold of that entire article, just Google Epoch Times, E-P-O-C-H, Epoch Times, and put in the title One Grandparent at a Time, and that article will probably come up. Now, this is kind of right along with grandparents. And remember, it's D-D-I-Y. Don't do it yourself. You're looking for resources. Uh, aunts and uncles, Um we can also look to friends and even kind of have a friend co-op where you share where a subject you feel very qualified in. You can teach your friends, kids, along with your own, and they can do that with yours for something they feel qualified as, okay? So grandparents, right along with parents and again, aunts and uncles and friends. And here's something that if you have a larger family, you certainly want to think of, and that's hiring older children as tutors. Uh, let me just share with you kind of how it works. Before children can read, there's kind of a constant demand upon the homeschooling mom because anything that's going to be shared, the child can't read for himself or herself, so the mother's going to have to do it. So the reading can take a long time because, again, that's something the child isn't going to do him or herself. And why not hire one of your older children to teach reading? You may think like, reading? Reading is so difficult. I mean, uh, teachers who have been to graduate school are having a hard time. That's true. They're not teaching phonics. 
But if you are teaching phonics, do you realize back when most children could graduate from school and actually read, Catholic schools that were taught by nuns, some of whom only had a high school education, but if you teach the right way with phonics. So what I did, seeing that um, one of my daughters seemed inclined to like to teach, I hired her to teach one of her younger siblings, and uh, her pay was a trip to J.C. Penney's for a couple of outfits. She was very glad to do it, took a lot of load off my wife, and shared the load of homeschooling. Again, the key, don't do it yourself. All right, another idea here is hiring tutors for particular subjects. It generally happens as you get on in the grades, particularly as you hit high school, there's a massive dropout from homeschooling. It's just becomes so much, particularly if the homeschooling mom is trying to teach somewhat difficult, in-depth subjects in high school, and then you have younger children running around the house at the same time. And why not hire a tutor for those one or two particularly difficult subjects, or maybe more, uh, from a local community college, a local Christian college, and you can just do the inquiries, you know, like say if you want to teach writing, okay, there's a, a, a Christian English major that somebody in your social network knows of, and why not offer to hire them as a tutor for that? And uh, it's, it's an overlooked resource, and it's the way education was frequently done. There was a, a family back in colonial American days that would actually bring a tutor into the home. Very often it was a, and these are Protestant homes, but it was a Protestant seminary graduate, a young minister. Uh, before he was married, before he had his own uh, salary and such, he would have room and board in a home. And then in that home, he would be doing tutoring as far as paying for his keep. And it's something you could figure out and do today. Uh, number five, again, we're not doing it ourselves. Uh, with online instruction today, you have access to the very best teachers anywhere in the world. And it's amazing what you could come up with. Um, I have a son who has become a very successful engineer, and engineers aren't supposed to be very good in English or language skills, but he won a um, through a national test some gold medal for learning Latin. He wasn't that eager to learn Latin, but through great online instruction, he was able to uh, uh, reach the very top of high school Latin instruction. So you can really open things up. Personally, I don't like having a child have to sit in front of a computer for all subjects every day. I'm, if you notice here, we're in a mix. Um, we're using grandparents. We're using aunts and uncles. We're using neighbors. We're hiring tutors, and we're using online instruction. So you can vary the resources you bring in. You don't have to just depend on a single resource. Number six is accountability. And having somebody that your child is accountable to for a particular subject or subjects 
is a great thing. And that accountability person does not have to be the teacher. You will probably find out something like this if you're homeschooling before law, particularly as your kids get a little older, they'll say something like, you're not a real teacher and this and that. And they tend to get a little casual with mom regarding assignments. So let's say there's a research paper or an essay that a child has as part of his um, academic uh, challenges. And when the child gets done with it, rather than simply turning it into mom, how about arranging with your, your husband's boss that he will be glad to read and evaluate the paper? Now, at that point, you're going to find a quadrupled effort going into that, or a neighbor, or a grandparent, or dad, but I think even if you go outside the family, uh, the accountability skyrockets. And you can even trade in this, in this sense. In other words, you can have another father of another family evaluate the paper of your children and vice versa. And again, the key is don't do it yourself. And then you want to broaden the perspective because uh, there's a lot to learn other than traditional curriculum subjects. And um, I know this isn't, quote, a subject. Well, I guess it used to be PE, physical education, used to be something that was part of school. One thing that I did when we were in Florida, I contacted the Presidential Fitness Award folks and found out that how I could organize a presidential fitness uh competition and test or whatever at the end of the school year and the homeschool kids knew what was coming and you know you get a time running a mile and such like that and I don't know sit-ups in a certain amount of time in a relay race and they know it's all coming so what they're doing is exercising and getting in shape for the presidential fitness award minimal cost but a nice way to round out the education Moving to Greenville, we found that the support groups here, once you get to high school, were tremendous. One of those was a leadership course because we want our children to be leaders. It's pretty obvious our, our society, our culture is hurting for leadership at this point in our history, and we want to produce leaders, and homeschoolers can become great leaders. So there was a leadership course that was offered to our homeschool co-op. And here is something that was almost, I would say, probably the biggest benefit from our homeschool co-op, and that was debate training. We had a great debate coach. They took the high schoolers over to nearby Furman University, taught them to use a university library for in-depth research, had one of the political science professors give them a lecture on the whole scope of things and debating issues. And uh, uh, we had a great group that went on to win a bi-state championship that was judged by professors and universities and a federal judge. It was a great situation. It's a great learning situation, great way to learn how to speak think on your feet. It, uh, I can't say enough for debate. It's a wonderful thing. You learn how to research and everything else. We also had a mother 
in our home school group, if you had a child who wanted to get into one of the U.S. military academies, she will teach you exactly how to do it. She had had two or three of her children uh, get accepted to the military academy. She figured it out, and she would coach other families who had a son or daughter who wanted to do that. So again, you don't want to do it yourself. You want to look for resources outside yourself, and there's some wonderful ones. Now, along with the actual academic classes, it's my conviction that scouting has an awful lot to teach, particularly when you start getting into the merit badges and things. You can have a world of things to learn by doing and accomplishing growth and rank. And unfortunately, the Boy Scouts, one of the best experiences of my life, and yet I personally can't recommend them today. There's a good uh, alternative called Trail Life and another one for girls called American Heritage Girls. And I know that American Heritage Girls have a merit badge for pro-life. How about that? That's pretty good stuff. Another one to think about is 4-H. I was also part of 4-H as a boy, and obviously you learn animal husbandry. But in addition, I don't know if you're aware, um, you have to actually do bookkeeping Uh, keep track of your expenses and your income and your profit and everything else uh, as a 4-H member, and you send that off to a state college or university that has an agricultural department. One of the students gives a grade to your record keeping, and it's like, gee, I was probably about 11 years old and doing the basic bookkeeping that you need to do in any business or any any type of venture. So it's a, it's a great thing. And they also make you speak uh, to the group. Everybody has to give a short uh, recap of what they're doing and what their success levels are and everything else. So 4-H, scouts, wonderful things. Now, I'd like to share with you a resource that um, is not well known, but how to turn drudgery into truly great fun. There is a computer program called Quarter Mile Math. And by the way, you're welcome to contact us here at the Family Life Center in case you have a question about any of these things. Just send an email to askthehost at gmail.com. But Quarter Mile Math is a math drilling program that kids love to do, they just think it's a fun game. You can either race horses or race cars, and it starts in kindergarten right through ninth grade, and there's printable progress reports and everything else. And quarter mile math, I'm just gonna read to you the results from the uh, Sonoma State University in California, did some research on it, and they found that the kids using quarter-mile math improved 35% from pre-test to post-test. And the more the students used the program, the more the students gained in their math abilities. And so there's a direct relationship between the amount of time students spent using the computer and quarter-mile math and then their scores. And the amazing thing that the students didn't view this program as a math practice program 
they viewed it as a fun game. Now, this is kind of important, and a lot of people aren't going to listen to me, so it may not work, but hear this. You have to keep games to a minimum. In fact, if you're wise, you'll keep them out of the house and then bring in some learning games because the what shall I say, overriding gizmo games that have no learning purpose to them will override the learning games. But if you have an older computer, you can have things like uh, the Oregon Trail and quarter mile math. Now, quarter mile math may need a little bit of an older computer, but they're very easy to come by. Just ask me. You can find older computers. And the website for quarter mile math is the quartermile.com. And I understand they're not the most prompt. This isn't like downloading an app, but it's worth going out of your way to getting quarter mile math. It will really um, kind of energize your home school. Another resource for you, and again, you don't have to do the drilling. They're going to ask you if they can do quarter mile math. So again, don't make it hard on yourself. You want Try to make this as as supportive as possible. Number 10 here is a library card plus one book. Uh, The one book, and it's a starter book, is entitled The Landscape with Dragons by author Michael O'Brien, very well-known Catholic author. Two-thirds of the book is basically warnings about what not to expose your children to. And a lot of Catholic parents mistakenly think they're encouraging good things, good reading, whatever, by reading in the dark arts and things like that. And the first two-thirds of the book will be basically building the argument from a well-respected author why you don't want to expose your children to these things. And then the back third of the book have reading lists for each age range of your children of good books to get a hold of, to either buy, buy used, or get at your library. And so the landscape with dragons plus your library card. Okay, I like to spend our last few minutes, and I might run into this a little bit in the next episode, but teaching religion, okay? Now, so far, I've mentioned DDIY, don't do it yourself. Well, when it comes to teaching religion, and if you're a sincere believer, um, this is where you really, really, really want to get it right. And I'm just telling you that people who are publishers and are marketing things will kind of manipulate your concern for doing it right and think you need all kinds of stuff that you may not need, in fact, may end up being a blockage to your success in a home school, okay? So for teaching religion, it's KISS, and you know what that means. Keep it simple, stupid. But I was on an advisory committee for a well-known Catholic curriculum for homeschoolers and uh, regular CCD programs, good program, But I was a part of a group developing resources for the parents, the parents' teacher guide. And I got an initial guide, and my strong recommendation was, 
that the guide would be simplified. Uh, you don't need to make it too complicated or else you're going to blow off parents, especially you're going to blow off fathers from engaging in this. And um, my advice was not heeded, but with the second edition, after they got all the various feedback, the teacher's manual for the parents and for the classroom almost doubled in size. It was like a two or three ring notebook and now selling for $49.95. And I resigned because I just thought, I'll tell you what was in my mind. One of the first times I was challenging men, Catholic men, to catechize their kids. I remember a big, burly New York City policeman came up to me with tears running down his cheeks. And he says, Steve, I want to teach my kids, but I don't know how because my dad didn't teach me. And if that policeman would have gotten that three-inch notebook, he would have never have done that. I'll tell you what you need to catechize your kids. Okay, we're going to do it kiss, and we're not going to break the bank. It's not going to cost you 50 bucks. You want a Baltimore catechism. You can get it like book one on Amazon for $4.79 delivered to your front door. It's clear, it's concise, and it's true, and it's proven successful, and it's not complicated. This is exactly what you want. What about teaching the virtues? There's whole books and curriculum for teaching the virtues. Now, you can get the books and curriculum. That's fine, but don't burden yourself. Keep it simple, stupid, and particularly if you find yourself maxed out, just hear this. Now, the catechism challenges parents in paragraph 2252. It says that parents have the first responsibility for the education of their children in faith, prayer, and all the virtues. You're saying I'm going to have to have a course in the virtues? No. Watch some good old movies. And good movies, well-done movies, always have good guys and bad guys. And it's pretty clear the difference between the two. And all you need to do is you're watching a movie, and Dr. Tim Gray did this with a very, very successful high school catechism class he had. They'd watch a movie, point out the vices, point out the virtues. Your children will remember what they are and attach them to what they've seen. Doesn't cost you a cent. Okay, next time we're going to talk about very direct contact with Scripture and the book of the Bible that so many saints and church fathers have recommended that you can bring into your homeschool, and it's very easy to use. Till next time, I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 305 of Faith and Family Radio. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to learn more about Catholic family life.